Let's say this confession together. I live by trusting in Jesus who loves me and gave his life for me so I might live free and abundantly in him. I daily follow and trust Jesus, the Holy Spirit, sorry, who leads me to love God and others for the benefit of those in Christ and those who have yet to know him. I walk in humility, recognizing my imperfections and give grace to everyone in their pursuit of Christ. Today, I surrender my life again to Jesus, allowing his character to be shown through me more and more. So my life continually invites people into the family of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, in our posture of prayer today, we say, do that. Show us your grace and then show us how to show grace to others that our lives as we walk away from this series let us say that we will always stay true to Jesus we will always stay true to Jesus and thus living lives that invite people into that same understanding that we have received from you we receive your grace we are vessels of your grace bless this time in Jesus name we pray and everyone said give it up for Kyle this morning Well, good morning. Uh, as Dave said, my name is Kyle. I'm the director of Kingdom Builders and Missions here at KFIRST. Um, and for those of you who are regulars, you're like, man, this is like a weird role reversal. Normally Kyle does all that stuff. And then Dave gets to preach. But it happened the other way around. And I um, just want to say thanks so much to Pastor Dave for giving me the opportunity to preach. And um, I'm super excited to wrap up our series on Stay True. It's been a phenomenal series. I've loved diving deep into Galatians, and I hope you have as well. And my encouragement, as Dave said, is to hang on to that confession. And as you go about, uh, as we move forward into new series and we go about the rest of our year, um, I would encourage you to continue to dive deep into Galatians because six weeks is nowhere near enough time to dig into all that Galatians has for us. So I encourage you to continue to uh, dig into that. Um, but before we get into it, I just want to share a little bit about myself. A lot of you might kind of know of me. Some of you still think I just play guitar here. Some of you are like, I think he's on staff, but I really have no idea what he does. So before we get into that, I just want to share a little bit about my personal life. Um, I come from a family of eight uh, kids and two parents. Um, my parents are awesome, amazing, and crazy people. They homeschooled all eight of us. Um, that's, that's us. Um, and then on the far left is my grandparents on my dad's side. And if you're wondering why the girl in the middle, my sister in the middle, who looks like she's about to go turn butter, she was in a play. She doesn't dress like that all the time. And if you can't figure it out, I'm the weird one in the group. If you, find, if you go on my Stockman on Facebook, uh, all my photos of me are being dumb and weird. But I think it's hilarious. So that's my family. Um, and I wanted to share a little bit about them because um, my parents instilled three things in me that... I'm so thankful for, and the, and the older I get, the more uh, I'm grateful for. And those three things are, uh, they taught me to love reading, which came really uh, in handy in college, because apparently you had to read in college. Um, they, told me, they taught me to love and, and revel in music and enjoy the beauty that it brings to life. And they taught me to have a hunger for truth, to always pursue what is true and what is good. 
Um, and I would not be the person I am today without my parents. So thank you so much for all the love and all the things, those things that you instilled in me. And how I came to be uh, here at K-First, it goes way back 10 years ago. Uh, right now, Facebook is doing the 10-year challenge, so I should hop on that because 10 years ago, I uh, became a part of Real Student Ministries. It was the launch uh, of that ministry. Um, Pastor Matt had just come on in the summer and he was launching in the fall. And I came because my cousins were a part of K-First and they're like, hey, there's a new youth pastor. He plays Call of Duty. He's so cool. And I was like, that's the only criteria for a youth pastor, play Call of Duty. <laughs> Obviously, you can tell times have changed because that was the criteria. Actually, that's still a criteria. Never mind. Um, but the opening night is one of my favorite stories to tell because I show up and uh, we had just, uh, uh, Pastor Matt and Kelly had redone the West Wing and we had a little service and Pastor Matt shared his vision. And afterwards I went up to Pastor Matt and to preface, uh, you have to understand what he was wearing. So Pastor Matt was wearing, back then in the 2000s, graphic tees were the thing. And he was wearing a mustard yellow with brown graphic t-shirt that said, babies are for lovers with a, uh, like a bathroom man and woman holding hands with like a ton of hearts over them. And so I walk up to Pastor Matt in this amazing graphic tee and I said, hey, I think you need a worship guy. And he's like, I do. And I was like, I can do that. And he's like, deal. And so that's how I came to be at K-First. Um, so that's, that's a little bit about me. I've been involved here at K-First since then. I've interned a couple times. And then about five years ago, I got brought on staff. And over the last few years, I've worked into this role of kingdom builders and missions here at K-First. And I have the joy of, of leading um, those ministries and crafting how do we approach missions and how do we support missionaries to help them uh, to be on the field for the long haul. And how do we partner with organizations that are bringing the tangible love of God to um, people that have needs, have physical needs, and through meeting those needs, um, we can then share the gospel. And so that's a little bit about me, a little bit about what I do. And before we really get going, I want to make a deal with you all. I'm stealing this from my mentor, but we need to make a deal this morning that um, Pastor Dave asked, graciously asked me to speak. And so the deal is Pastor Dave wins. So if this morning is the worst message you've ever heard, and you're like, that was garbage. He didn't even do any hermeneutics. He doesn't even know how to read the Bible. You say, thank God, Pastor Dave will never ask Kyle to preach again. <laughs> but if it's great and you're like, man, that was really good. I found courage and challenge and I have some tools to go back into my life and to be a disciple of Jesus. You say, thank God, Pastor Dave asked him to preach and thank God that Pastor Dave is gonna come back to preach and maybe we'll hear from Kyle some other time, okay? That's the deal this morning. So how many of you um, have ever been whitewater rafting? A couple people, oh, actually a lot, awesome. So for those of you who uh, have never been, or maybe like, what is whitewater rafting? It's where um, you either inflate some raft or get in some kind of flotation device and subject yourself to a river that can literally kill you. Um, and so I've done that twice. And the second time, uh, one of the memories of that trip that really stands out to me is um, the night before the group I was with, um, the night before a bunch of people were worried about getting enough sleep, to be awake on the river. And so one of the people said, hey, I have a bunch of melatonin. And there was a young person in our group that was like, melatonin sounds awesome. And he took way too much. So the next morning, he was literally a zombie as we were getting on the river. And it was extremely comical because he literally was just like deadpan as the guide was sharing with us how to um, work together as a team because we went in a raft. 
and as a, the title uh, tells you. And um, we had to work as a team and we had to listen to our guide because um, yes, it was all about having fun, but there was some serious um, stakes in the, in the works because if we didn't listen to his instructions and follow him and keep in step with what he was, his, with his leading, uh, we could potentially be seriously injured or die. And so it was comical because we are all working hard at um, following the directions and practicing when the river was dead. And our friend here who was still uh, waking up from his melatonin and do sleep was just not on board with it. He was way behind. We would be paddling forward and he would be paddling backwards. We wouldn't be paddling. He'd just be hitting the paddle in the water. We'd be in the middle of a rapids and he'd be in the middle of the boat doing nothing. Um, and it was a bit frustrating for us. It's like, man, like we need, we need everyone involved in this. We need to work together as a team to share the burden of, of getting down the river so we all stay alive, man. Like, do you want to live? Apparently not, because you took too much melatonin. He did, he did live. And we did live, we made it, obviously I'm still alive. Um, but the reason I share that story is because there's, there's uh, aspects of me whitewater rafting, following the guide and having someone in the boat who just wasn't measuring up to what we wanted to that uh, connects with what Paul has to say in the end of Galatians. So let us read uh, chapter six. Uh, if you have your little journal, uh, you can pull that out. We will have the, the scripture on the screen for you. Um, but Galatians six, verse one. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. God, we thank you so much for your word, for your scripture which we have to dive into and to learn um, from those who have gone before us and to, to guide us in our walk, to, to make a difference in our Monday through Saturday and Sunday. God, we thank you um, that this is the, the way you have chosen. And Lord, help us to be listening to your words this morning. Lord, use 
the words from my mouth to speak what you are doing in this place, God, what you are doing in our lives. And Lord, I pray that we will be obedient to those things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before we dive in, um, there's a couple things to really keep in mind as we read chapter 6. Um, and those are back in chapter 5. Uh, Jeff last week sh- uh, preached out of chapter 5, and there's two big things within that chapter that really bring um, chapter 6 alive. The first one is in 5.13. Paul says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So this is, in chapter 5, one of the only commands that Paul gives. And so this is kind of the operating idea that Paul is moving in in chapter 6 of, of serving one another in love. And the second thing we need to keep in mind um, is the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, in 22 through 23, of chapter 5, Paul says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And I love how Eugene Peterson uh, paraphrases it in the message. He says, But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity, We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies. So these are the two ideas that Paul has in mind as he's wrapping up this letter to to Galatia, that we are to serve each other in love and that we are to walk in the spirit in these Fruits are to be, uh, they will abound more and more in our lives that as we walk with the Spirit, these things will become more evident in how we relate to each other. And if you're like me, as you're reading this book, you're probably like, man, this is all good. I've heard Pastor Dave talk about justification, sanctification, all the other theological words. I have no idea what the heck they mean. And at the end of the day, I'm like, what does this mean for my life? How does this matter to me? What? What do I do with this book when I walk into work tomorrow morning? How does this matter? And that's exactly what Paul's getting at in chapter 6. He's, he's, he went through all of the intellectual stuff, and now he says, okay, time to let the rubber meet the road. Here is how you do it. So what does it look like to serve one another in love? Great question, my friends. I love that you guys are so smart. The first thing is when we read chapter six of of how do we do this? How do we serve each other in love and walk with the spirit is if we walk with the spirit, we will bear someone else's burdens with love and gentleness. We see this in six, one through five. He says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone. You see, um, there's a mentality that was happening in the, the people that Paul is writing against in his community that says, um, you know, we look at the law and there's these things in the law and specifically circumcision was the big one in this one. But, you know, if we are doing these things, we know we're in. We are part of the good guys. We know we're, we're on the right track. 
Um, and Paul is saying, no, 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 that's not the case anymore. Um, it's, it's all about walking with the spirit. And when you're walking with the spirit, you will bear one another's burdens in love. That that is now a new marker of being a part of the body of Christ, a part of his family, that we bear one another's burdens. And it seems like he's making a weird like tension of like bear one another's burdens, but actually you deal with it on your own. Um, and the way that's kind of re- that it's resolved, if we're looking at, um, we get down to the syntax, we look at the English, wow. Um, but he says, bear one another's burdens. It's, it's in the immediate, it's in the present, it's here and now, that as we're walking through this life, you are to bear, we are to bear each other's burdens in love. And then when he gets down to the end, he says, for each one will have to bear his own load. It's Paul is thinking in the future. He's looking to the end game when one day we will all get to stand before Christ. And then that moment, we bear our own load by not comparing to other people and saying, well, God, look at me. I did this and such and that. And I was circumcised and blah, blah, blah. It's not those things um, that we boast in, but it is uh, in that moment is when we bear our own load. It's what did we do? not comparing to another person. Jesus looks at us and said, how did you live your life? And so that's the tension that that Paul kind of plays out that here and now, Paul says, how do you walk this out? How do you love one another? How do you walk in the spirit? Bear each other's burdens in love. Uh, A commentator, Craig Keener, he says, um, kind of the way he breaks it down, he says, now we carry one another's burdens, which is the immediate, including by helping those who are tempted, uh, the very beginning in verse one. In the day of judgment, however, we will answer for ourselves, not by comparison with these others. So in the media here and now, we're not like the, the, the opponents of Paul are saying, no, no, no. Um, you have to, com- you're comparing each other. You're saying, I'm circumcised. You're not circumcised. And Paul's saying, it's not that anymore. It's bearing each other's burdens of love. When you see your brother who is not circumcised, you come alongside them and you walk with them in love and gentleness. Why? Why do we do that? Why do we not hold the rule and the measure up to each other and say, you're not measuring up. You done wrong. You done goofed again. (laughs) It's because the goal is always restoration. The goal is always to walk with each other in a way that leads everyone to be more like Christ. And that when we lead with love and gentleness, that is a much greater motivator than standing above someone and saying, you're not doing it right, you have it wrong. The goal, the goal is always restoration. So again, if we walk with the spirit, we will bear someone else's burden with love and gentleness. Well, what else does this look like? Glad you asked. I have some more. Paul does too. (laughs) If we walk with the spirit, we will be vigilant to never tire of doing good. In nine through 10, Paul says, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those in the household of faith. And because this comes immediately after this idea of 
bearing one another's burdens. That is part of the good that Paul is talking about. Part of the, the good things that we are to do is to bear one, in, one another's burdens in love and gentleness. But it also kind of has a broad context of good that, that this good things that we're doing are seen as good by everybody. That it's not just, oh, only this special group who has the right goggle vision to see this act I'm doing as good understands it's good. It's good that everyone can look at and go, that's good. That's beneficial for everybody. That encourages me. This is the kind of good uh, that Paul is getting at. And when he says, uh, do not grow weary, um, in that, in the, in, uh, Greek in the, in the context here, it has this idea of, of losing heart. Um, or or uh, in that time they used uh, bow and arrows because they weren't cool enough to have guns. But it's that idea of the way the bows work back then, there was a, a strung version where it's tight and it's ready to go. And there's an unstrung version where the bow is, is just loose. And so you're kind of saving it so it doesn't wear out. But that's the idea of the bow um, being unstrung. It's not ready. It's not prepared to do anything. And that's the, the, the idea that he's saying is don't grow weary. Don't get lax in just like, oh, I've done a lot of good today. I'm, I'm set for the next month or a year. You know, January 1, I did a whole lot of good. See you 2021. You know, the idea is that you're always ready to do good. Well, why does that matter? You know, it's easy to say, well, do good and everyone will be good. Like, yeah, but like, you know, what, there's other things going on. Like, why is it just do good? Because there is a harvest at the end of it. That when you, in your life, work to do good things to those who are a part of Christ's body, to a part of this community, and then beyond them do good to those who are not a part of our community, uh, you are planting the seeds that will reap a harvest in the end. Because when you are always ready and always prepared to do good, and you're always looking for the next good thing you can do, people will see that in your life in day after day after day of you never growing tired and never growing weary of doing good makes people ask questions. Why is it that when work is horrible and everybody else in the office is angry you're not, and you somehow see the positive. Or maybe it's just that you're not talking negatively about the person that everyone loves to bash on. Or maybe it's you know on Sunday morning, you get together and there's always that one person, I guarantee everybody in this room has someone who's just always, like they're way too happy all the time. You know, it's like, uh, did you not watch football on Saturday? Apparently not, because everyone lost that mattered. You know, they're always, these people are always joyful. And it's like, what is, how is that possible? How are you always so ready to do good? How are you always so good? And that you begin to ask questions. And that's what Paul is saying, that in the most simplest way, that when we just live to do good to those around us and those outside of our community, that is how we love one another and serve one another in love and walk with the spirit, that as our lives begin to traject into that direction of, you know, maybe yesterday wasn't great and I, I, I didn't do good on that day, but today, you know, I, I took a step forward. You know, that there's that one coworker that I always avoid eye contact with because I cannot stand that person. But maybe you smiled at them today. That is a step in the right direction. That is doing good. And this one really hits home for me. Um, I 
uh, work part-time at Starbucks, one of God's great uh, establishments for coffee and energy. And some of you are like, amen, I want to be there every day. I don't. It's okay. Um, there's better coffee out there, everyone, okay? I just got to say that. They give me health insurance. <laughs> Sorry, Starbucks. You can uh, edit that out later. Um, but when I'm at work, it can be a high-stress environment. And it's easy for me to fall into a space of getting angry at my boss because she's not operating in the way I know is best, that she's not setting up the, sh- the, the, the way we work for success um, and get angry at her and avoid her. Um, or maybe there's, uh, I have another coworker who is um, getting trained to kind of move up the ladder and, and she's focused on things that don't uh, help this shift um, move the best way possible, that it doesn't uh, enable everyone to, to be their best and to do their best. And I can get really cynical really fast and begin to stop doing good towards them. But when I'm in those moments of, of stress and frustration, when I say, you know, I, I need to be walking with it. the spirit here, this, the way the spirit is moving in this moment is by doing good to those people, by being kind when everything that I see them doing is unkind. And this is so hard. Uh, I was there on Saturday and it was a uh, uh, it was a rough one. So, but this is what Paul is getting at. When we do good to all, first to our believers, and then to those who have yet to acknowledge Jesus, we are working towards a harvest of people being reconciled to God. So the second thing, again, is if we walk with the Spirit, we will be vigilant to never tire of doing good. And if you're like me at this point in writing this message, I was like, that's great. Wrap it up. Call it good. We're out of here. And, but there's still more. You guys are lucky. There's still more. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> if we walk by the Spirit, we will participate in God's new creation. In 14 through 15, Paul lays down um, kind of like, the, this is his drop the mic moment. You know, he just spent all these words arguing and all this stuff. And then he finally says, you know what? I'm just going to drop the mic right here. He says, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. The new creation is all that matters, that becoming more like Christ is what matters, not the outward markers, not the ability to say, oh, I know I'm good because I'm circumcised. Or, you know, we don't talk like that today, but what are the things that we typically point at and go, oh, these are the things, this is how I know I'm a Christian, this physical thing right here. And Paul's saying, no, no, no. You know you are in Christ because you can point back to the cross and say, he, he already did it. He already made the way in that I have the joy of just participating in this new creation. That the spirit 
The Spirit is the one, the acting agent. The Spirit is the one who is making me a new creation. And the Spirit is the one who is moving in our midst and moving in Kalamazoo and Portage and Michigan, who is making a new creation in the whole world. In the Greek, it's the, the cosmos, which is literally like everything we can imagine in our day. Like that is so much. Like God, this new creation is both the most personal thing you can ever imagine and the biggest thing you can ever imagine, that God wants to reconcile all things back to him in this new creation. So what does that look like on a day-to-day basis? What does it look like to be a participant in God's new creation? It looks like saying, uh, today I am more like Christ because I, whatever the fruit of the spirit, I was more gentle with the customers that came through at Starbucks today. Today I'm more like Christ because I had patience with my children. And the list goes on and on. And it's not about the dated, it's not about, we tend to focus on the little successes of, you know, in this one day, in this one moment, I succeeded, and then tomorrow I fail. But this idea of new creation, of, of becoming more like Christ is a trajectory, is is, is something that you will never fully reach in this life. And Paul is saying this new creation is about who are you becoming? Yes. Are, you be, are you walking with the Spirit? How do you know? Because the fruits of the Spirit are becoming more evident in your life, in your relationships with other people. <laughs> and in all this, it, it, it's easy in in my humanness, like, but no, like I, I, we need to have these, we need to have the rules. The law was great because it was so clear. It was so black and white is if I messed up, I messed up. And if I did, did good, I did good. Whereas walking with the spirit, you know, some days are going to be better than the other. And we want to have that concrete being able to say, ah, today I did it. Today I was a Christian. Which if you, if you manage to do that, please uh, call me up and tell me how to do it because whew, some days are hard. But you see, the, the key into all this and going back to what I, what I mentioned earlier that we need to remember when we're reading chapter six is that Paul's saying all we are to do is to serve one another in love and walk with the spirit. You are not the changing agent in your world. The spirit is. And all you are called to do is walk with the Spirit. And as you do that, the Spirit will make you a new creation and someone who then can move out into your world and speak of Jesus Christ in a way that is good to all those around you. It's not up to you to change anybody. You are simply called to participate in the new creation that the Spirit is already doing. You see, if I were to summarize Paul in, 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 the end of this, in the end of Galatians and his like, this is it, this is the big moment, please get this. It's how we treat one another points people towards or away from Christ. Do we... Do we carry each other's burdens? When life is hard and we've just had a horrible day and we have royally messed up, are we able to turn to a brother or sister in Christ and say, my burden is too heavy. 
Please carry it with me. And are we someone who, in turn, can be someone whose arms are open to a brother and sister and say, what are your burdens? I want to carry them with you. Do we walk into our workplaces with love and gentleness for our coworkers? And we're not going to get it perfect. But are we day in and day out taking steps to do that, to walk with the Spirit? In his final words to the church in Galatia, Paul is adamant that how we treat each other has the power to encourage people towards Christ or to drive them away from him. You see, for Paul, the theology and in, in all the philosophical conversations are good. And he's probably one of the best that can do it when you have uh, crazy brainiacs 2,000 years later still debating the words you put on a page. You're probably a pretty smart guy. But he knows that we don't live that way. We don't wake up in the morning and immediately start thinking about abstractly about who we are and how we live our lives and like, oh man, I'm in a bed. What does that mean to lay in a bed? And this is very intriguing. You wake up and go, why am I awake? I need to go back to bed. And you smash your alarm on the wall and you go back to bed. You see, Paul is practical. We are people who live day-to-day lives. And so he says, but he understands too that what is at stake is so big. It, it, it's the new creation. That, that it's so important we get this and we begin to practice this in our day-to-day lives, not so that we can be perfect, but because how you and I treat each other can help someone who has yet to acknowledge Christ come to Christ. And how we treat someone who is not a part of the family of Christ can help that person come to Christ. You see, going back to my whitewater rafting story, um, our our, uh, uh, melatonin-induced friend, um, it it could have been so easy to belittle him, to yell at him, to even uh, toss him off the boat and strand him on the island. (laughs) There were other boats coming. They can pick him up on their way down. But... And this is just a small analogy that, you know, when, when we realized he was pretty much going to be kind of useless on our trip, that we didn't do those things, that we, 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 we tried to encourage him, that when he was making the wrong moves, we didn't slap him upside of the head with our paddle and say, get it right, you idiot. But we said, hey, you're doing it wrong. Like, it's this way. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, okay. And then he would get going. And slowly, and in times when he was tired, I was like, all right, man, just sit in the middle of the boat. Uh, like, sleep off that melatonin, dude. You need it. Um, and, and we carried his burden for a little bit. And we encouraged him to listen to the voice of our guide, to say, pay attention, pay attention. Stop staring off into the woods looking for the crazy West Virginians. Like, pay attention. <laughs> Which apparently are real. Side note, by the way, uh, the guide said there are people living in the hills, so don't go in the hills. <laughs> but we we came around him and said, you are a part of this group and we are going to carry your burdens that when you aren't doing your, your job, when you're not measuring up, that we're not going to belittle you and, and, and kick you out. We're, we're going we're gonna to support you and we're going to encourage you. And that uh, when you realize you're messing up uh, and you find it funny, we'll laugh with you. Um, and if he happened to cry, like maybe we, we would have supported him. And you see, that, that is what Paul is getting at here. That we as a body of Christ 
have an amazing opportunity to walk in love and serving one another and walk with the Spirit and to allow those fruits to come out in our lives, in our relationships with everybody. First with our, with this, with our community, because who wants to be a part of a community that treats someone that is not a part of their community better than how they treat those inside of it? The early church was a movement because of the way the church treated each other, that they loved each other, they carried each other's burdens, and they encouraged each other when they failed. And we have that same opportunity today to walk in a manner in, in love and service towards others and, and looking and before we judge anybody else saying, where can I improve? And walking in a spirit of humility towards all. And the reason why all that is so important, the reason why Paul's like, you have to get this. And he spends so many words writing about these things is because new creation is at stake. People coming to Jesus is at stake. And it's easy to be like, ah, my behavior doesn't matter as much as my words. And that is true sometimes. Sometimes your words, your words do matter. But the way you live your life day in and day out has a message of its own. And when we work to embody that message of, of love, grace, gentleness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, that becomes a message of, of the amazing community that the church is, that, that this new creation is a beautiful thing and is the thing that the world is desperately looking for. So as we come to the end of this message and, and uh, what Paul says, again, I would encourage you, um, continue to dive deep into Galatians. There's so much more. This is, this is just skimming the surface. But today, in light of uh, looking what Paul is challenging to the church in Galatia, I want us to take some time to reflect on, on two uh, big ideas, on two questions. And that is, who do I need to extend love and gentleness towards that I currently am not? Again, who do I need to extend love and gentleness or just insert the fruits of the spirit? Who do I need to extend those to that I currently am not? And who do I need to share my burdens with? Who in my life is someone that I can go to and say, these are my burdens. And it, and it should be someone who's a part of the, the body of Christ that you can go to and say, I need help. I need you to, to pick me up. I'm, I'm still groggy from the melatonin and I need you to, to tell me how to get back on track, how to, how to move my paddle and encourage me, even though I'm not getting it right right now. So we're gonna take some time, the band is gonna come and sing the song, and, I, and we're, I want you to answer these two questions. Write them down. If you have your journal, write in them. Answer these two questions, and then decide a time to act on them. And if you don't have your journal, make a note. Put, a, put something in your calendar that says, today I am going to be kind to wh whoever. Or on this date, I'm going, to, I'm going to contact this person and say, hey, can we talk? I, 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 need, I need someone in my life right now. So we're going to take some time and dwell on those questions. And if you kind of fly through those, just um, I encourage you just to simply listen to the lyrics of this song and listen to how the Holy Spirit is speaking to you.